This episode of Football Friends with Ben and Steph is brought to you by Unique Opal Mine. Based in Adelaide, but shipping worldwide, if you or your partner loves opals, Unique Opal Mine is the place to shop. On top of that, they also create and design custom diamond engagement rings and recreate any old jewellery into new pieces. Both Stefan and Ben have used Tim, walking into the shop not having a clue about diamonds, walking out diamond experts. Head to uniqueopalmine.com to hear more or visit them in store in Rundle Mall. Mine tonight, play for over. Depends. Well, your friend, the football will be there. Oh, friend, football friend. Oh, what a support goal. Stefan Moore, that is extraordinary from Ben Garuccio. You're listening to Football Friends with Ben Garuccio and Stefan Moore. Here's what's in store in episode four. It wasn't the best weekend for the boys, but a big weekend nonetheless. We cover all the talking points from A-League Men's Round 3. Not least, the big discussion around the original rivalry. Who's back of the boys got in the case of Nestory versus Alex King? And every facet of the latest National Second Division news is dissected and debated in depth. So, get comfy and enjoy a huge episode 4 of Football Friends! Friends! <laughs> Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Football Friends with Ben and Steph. It's Ben here and as always I'm joined by Steph. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me Ben. We've uh, we've had a few listeners again so we're jumping on for, for the next episode. Yeah. Um, how, was, how was your week? How was the game for you guys over there in Japan? Not, not good. I think uh, we found out on Friday... Um, Kofu won their game, so it meant that we weren't able to qualify for the the sixth spot in the promotion playoff. So, I think our performance on uh, on Sunday was reflective of that. Everyone was a little bit flat. Uh, you know, it's one of those games where you still try and give a hundred percent, but it's just deflating. I think you know your your mind knows that you can't actually qualify. And we played against Akita, um, who are like a Stoke City. Um, in Japan and uh, the long balls, the throw-ins, anything at the halfway line, it's like, yeah, it's insane to play against a team like that. Uh, it's it's difficult because the ball's, the ball's out of play for probably 45 minutes of the 90, I reckon. And yeah, you're just defending set piece after set piece and it's a, it's a scrap. And they beat us 2-0. So it was a pretty, pretty poor week. My gunners lost 1-0. United drew with victory, which is not a bad result. So overall, pretty pretty bad week. Pretty bad week over here in Japan for me. Yeah. Well, same for me, to be honest. Obviously, we, we lost, and that was a tough one to take, especially for me, personally. Um, Why for you? So obviously, well, obviously, the goal is, you know, my fault. Um, so, yeah, it was just a bit of a shit one. Um, but I suppose we can speak about that maybe a little bit more after Liverpool as well. No good. Drew, they shouldn't have, well, they got lucky to draw in the end, but they shouldn't have drawn. They, they had so many chances, but couldn't score. Caught one on the counter and then managed to, to peg one back late. So, um, yeah, no good. No good. Disappointing week. No good in podcast. Podcasts, nah. podcast boys, uh, are striking out. We're, so we're, we're flat. Need a... We're flat. We need a big performance uh, next week. I think the one guy that actually performed, and we'll touch on it more later, really well was Gauchi. So maybe the yeah. guests, when we when we have the guests on here, they do well and we struggle. So maybe no more yeah. guests. And that's why today we've, we've gone to no guests. 
you know, next week I'll come as a guest. So, no, oh, but, let's, uh, you know, oh, well, yeah, let's, let's get into it. First game, Melbourne City. We didn't touch on it last week. We missed the we missed the big news of of Rado Vidicic getting sacked um, very early in the season, and, and we won't talk too much about it. But I think it's a it's a good one to touch on. And what was your first reaction when you I guess saw the news or heard the news? Um, you know, two rounds into the season, what what were you thinking? I wasn't that surprised to be honest. I think a lot of people were surprised because, especially here in the A League. You know, you've got, um, you need to pay, obviously, the coaches. It, it comes into account. A lot of teams are thinking, well, you know, there's no relegation, so we can maybe leave it a little bit longer. But we said last week on the episode that, you know, Melbourne City and Sydney FC are two teams that do demand excellence. They want to be up there at the top of the table. Um, and I think for Melbourne City, like, they're, they're not going to accept being down where, where they were. Um, before the weekend and obviously probably the two score lines that reflect probably the biggest on that is obviously the grand final and then six nil away to Adelaide so um, they're big losses and that's something that you know we've both been at Melbourne City that that doesn't come across well when you're playing for Melbourne City and I'm sure the players um, were not enjoying you know walking off the pitch losing six nil as well it's it's embarrassing you, you don't want to be like that especially after the success they've had in the last few years so I wasn't that surprised by it. Um, I think, you know, we didn't really know who they were going to appoint. Um, Michael Petrillo, he's obviously worked with Aurelio Vidmar before. So they've got uh, Vidi back or back in the A-League. Um, so, yeah, they obviously went out. They, they won the game 2-0. Uh, I think, look, from Melbourne City's perspective and their standards, I think they're nowhere near their best. But to get that win, I think, was super, super important for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I actually, I, I didn't know Rado. I don't know Rado at all. I don't know, you know, him personally or as a coach. And I didn't speak to anyone at Melbourne City uh, from the player side of things. But um, the one thing I actually rate from the club is that, you know, they do have that ambition and they want to be successful. And it's so easy as a club in the A-League because there's no relegation to kind of just be like, you know what, let's just see how it goes, get to halfway. And, and Petrillo came out and, and said that at the game live on on tv which was pretty pretty interesting to hear that you know they didn't want to do that they actually wanted to kind of get on top of it early so they can give a new coach coming in a, a better chance to actually you know set the standards and um you know that that for me is what every club should be looking to do you don't want to change coaches too much because you do need to give them time but if they're not seeing you know other things that are important you know so it's not just the results but it's i'm sure it's a lot of other things I think clubs clubs should be doing that. Fans want to win. And, you know, Melbourne City in the last four or five years have been so successful. So it's good for the league that that's, that's their standard. That's what, they, that's what they expect. And it probably goes to show as well that, you know, just because you take over a team that's so successful, it's not easy to do either because, you know, they're, they're, their expectations are so high. So if you take over as an assistant coach, it's, it's not, a simple, not a simple thing to do. And, you do obviously feel for any coach that gets loses their job because it's not easy. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it won't be the first one of the season that goes. Um, so it's probably just who's who's next. Um, but that's that's what you want in a in a league where where teams are all striving to to win it. So yeah, that's uh, that's enough of that. On to uh, the next 
the next game, which was Brisbane Raw Wellington. Did you did you see much of that one? I uh, didn't see much of it, um, but I did have a look at it back. It was a it was a pretty crazy game, and I actually watched the press conference of Ross Aloisi, and he definitely wasn't too happy after the game. I think a couple of the goals probably could have been avoided, um, but yeah, he came out after the game and he, he sort of said that he was quite disappointed with the way that some players played, and obviously he's very stern in the way that he wants his team to play and he wants them to be very positive and they, he wants them to be going forward. And he said, you know, a few times in the in the interview that, you know, they, they were passing backwards sometimes and they didn't need to pass backwards. So, um, yeah, he was obviously disappointed with, with the way that they played. But obviously we both know that Wellington is a very hard place to go. And, um, yeah, Zawada got his, got his hat trick. So, yeah, pretty crazy game. Yeah. No, it was... It was actually a really entertaining game to watch, uh, even though Brisbane lost. And I know it's it's easier to say when you're in neutral, but if I was a Brisbane Raw fan, I'd still be probably happier about that performance than what I'd seen in the years gone by. Because yes, they conceded some really average goals, but they still looked to play. They still played an exciting brand of football. And as you touched on with the the post match press conference with Ross, I think he spoke about you know whether you whether you lose with fear or you lose with being brave and being fearless, it's the same thing. And and I think hearing that as a player and as a fan as well, you know, that that's a message that you you're like, all right, I can get behind this guy because he's he's demanding us to go out there, be brave in the way we want to play. And if we lose, we lose from playing our way of football and not from trying to to reduce the risks or to try and not lose the game. So Oh, I've got them finishing top six. I, I think the way he's got them and the standards he's setting, they'll they'll come good. But you know, Wellington as well, new new coach in in, in Chiefy, he's uh he's done pretty well to start off the the beginning of the year. Big big boots to fill in in office, and he's um yeah he's got them firing. They play well uh, victory on Friday night, which will be a massive massive game for both those teams who are in form. So. Let's see if Zavada can uh, can keep up this early season form and and Krayev as well was was really good in this game. So it was um yeah it was a good good first game and and leading us into the the Bulls v Western United game. Yeah, um, for me like look in this one, I thought first half we were quite poor. Um, I think we didn't really get a foothold in the game I thought they had a lot more of the ball that's what it felt like in the game that they had a lot more of the ball um in the first half and we had a couple of sort of half chances earlier like I had a half chance um Lockie Wales had a half chance that he ended up crossing um and they obviously had a couple of really good chances where they sort of got us on the on the break where they played long and and Jermaine was quite strong up there and he's very smart footballer um and yeah, it's funny, like we spoke at the start of the season about some of these guys that you maybe don't know, they're not household names, but you can just tell some of these guys that the league that they've played in and the caliber that they've played at because they're so experienced. He's a very, very, very smart footballer in his positions and the way he can hold up the ball and use his body to, to bring others into play. So I wouldn't say he's like super quick or anything, but he's very, very smart in his positioning. So, um, and then in the second half, like, felt like a completely different game. We started to press up a lot higher and we forced them into probably playing longer when they didn't want to or they weren't so comfortable. Whereas in the first half, they had a little bit more time to maybe actually be able to look up and pick out a pass and it wasn't so much a long ball. It was more so like a, a ball into space for a nine or 
maybe one of those wingers that sort of tend to come inside off the lines. And then in the second half, like I felt like we, we definitely played out a lot better and we were able to break their press a little bit more. They were sort of going at times with, with just one and we were able to go out the other side and find space. And we had a couple of chances, but obviously um, football and the game that it is, you know, it's a game of moments. We've spoken about that in the past. And um, for me, that was, yeah, just a shit moment, to be honest. Like, I felt like in the situation, I, I did everything right that I, that I could have. Obviously, Lockie Rose tried to turn me. Um, I sort of was able to get my body in between. Um, and then, yeah, like, I just took one touch out of my feet and I was literally going to just smash it away with my right. And as I've gone to take a step, I've just fucking face-planted, basically. And as I've gone down, I've just sort of like knocked the ball and it's just gone perfectly um, into his path. So, yeah, he did well, obviously, to go around uh, Tommy and then put it away. So, look, it's one of those things. It's it's football. You love it. You hate it um, at times. It's just, yeah, it's it's a moment that it hurts me a lot because I'm a super competitive sort of, sort of player and I hate losing uh, at the best of times. But... Yeah, to lose like that, it's it's never easy. And, you know, I, I carry that sort of on my shoulders, that. So that's, yeah, hurts a lot. And I'll be hurting probably until next week about that one until I can hopefully put it right. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, that's part of, part of the game. I think, you know, like football is, as fans, you know, you love it. And, you know, your, your team wins a game on the weekend and you're buzzing, you know, it's like the best feeling ever. The rest of the weekend goes smoothly like so i understand from the fans point of view like that that win can actually dictate your your feeling of like if you enjoy the weekend but for a player like you know this is the game that you love and that you're playing and, and you are so competitive as well and if you make a mistake or if you have a poor game or you contribute in one of the goals against your team that makes you lose it like you honestly just like you start to just doubt yourself and you're just like this is so so shit um like what am I doing? I can't even play it. It's like the, the thoughts that come yeah. into your head uh, are unbelievable. When five minutes before that, before that exact moment had happened, you're like, you're flying. You're like, oh, I'm feeling good. I'm confident. I'm buzzing. Yeah. If that other half chance that you get your score, you're on top of the world. And that's something that we will touch on a bit, a bit of the, the the mental side of the game, which which happened in one of the later games afterwards. But it's as a player, like you have to be able to kind of quieten those thoughts and that noise that comes into your head from yourself because if you don't you then take it into the next training or you take it into the next game so it's um yeah it's all all part of it and it's disappointing but you've um i, I kept you in my fantasy team this week as well because you got a minus six last myself week myself in as well i was thinking all right i got tommy hewitt bell in goals and you're thinking two clean sheets that's decent didn't even see like i was i think i was starting to get ready i was making a smoothie or something and then i just hear like the commentator start speaking a bit louder quickly run out and see and i'm thinking You've just thrown away two clean sheets, so I think you're on the chopping block. Simple that's not, as that. That's not what I was. That's not what I was thinking at the time. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, um, it's it's not it's not great. But you know what? That is football. Um, that's why people love it. That's why we at times it's it's hard and and mentally it, sometimes it is very very hard. I know if that happened to me when I was 18 years old, I probably would have played shit or been low on confidence for the next three months. And I think it's something you learn as you go on that, you know, these things do happen. Um, it's about your reaction and how you can hopefully bounce back and, you know, not maybe listen to so much of the outside noise that, that other people start to, you know, put expectations on you and things like that. So these are the times that are the hardest, but 
also you get probably the most growth out of when you come through the other side. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. And the next game, which was the the Saturday night game, the the game of the rounds on, on channel 10, 10 bold. Best game to be on there. The original rivalry, they built it up throughout the week. Um, Cole, Cole put a bit of... Uh, Bit of petrol on the fire there by saying that the, the Adelaideans hate Victorians, which we both grew up in Adelaide. We both grew up wanting, like this was the number one game. When you're a, when you're a kid, you wanted to go to this game because the atmosphere was like through the roof. Um, you know, they had the, the fences kind of separating the Victorian Adelaide fans. The police horses are there. It was a, probably a bit more crazy back then than what it is now because of things that have gone on. But it's still... Like it's a, it means a lot for for the Adelaide United fans and I think the Victory fans as well. Um, so the game was very very good. Like it was probably the the best quality game I reckon I've seen for the season in terms of everything, the atmosphere, the play. Victory started first 15, 20 minutes on fire. Like they they could have been two or three nil up. Arzani was really good. Um, I think. Uh, Nish Falufale, if he took a couple of those chances, it's a different story. Adelaide kind of struggled. The young boys maybe couldn't get into the game. Gauchi comes up big with a couple of saves. Uh, and then, you know, they go 1-0 up, which is probably deserved or more than deserved. And then, as you know, football's about moments. Um, a set piece, you score from that set piece, changes kind of the, the game. And then the red card as well uh, for Miranda. Uh, probably then puts it in, in Adelaide's favour that they're going to go on and win it, which victory, to their credit, they still created like some good chances on the yeah, break. Did. So it was it was a good showing. If I'm a victory fan, I'm disappointed that, you know, you don't win that game. But I'm probably more happy with what I saw because, you know, we went down to 10 men and they were still able to create chances and they didn't really concede too many clear and obvious ones either. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's good Good signs for victory. And then the biggest talking point was the red card, the second red card for, for Nesta. And I want to hear, I guess, firstly, your opinion on it, and then I'll kind of say what I think on it. But um, what was your initial reaction when you're watching the game? Um, and then what, what do you think, you know, kind of from that? Oh, look, I don't think it's a yellow card, to be honest. I don't know. I think if he kicks the ball away... Um, and then maybe has a bit of a tantrum or... Look, I don't know what was said as well. You never know. The way you maybe sometimes can speak to a referee, if you swear at him, if you call him a name, um, he might it might warrant a yellow card. So look, I don't know what was said. But from just what I saw, like the way he's just basically turned around and thrown his arm in the air and gone like, fucking free kick, which it was 120% a free kick. Like it's a free kick every day of the week. Um, yeah, if it's just that, I, I don't think that warrants a yellow card. Like... People are going to speak about it, you know, all the time and say that, you know, the reaction shouldn't be like that. Look, it shouldn't be like that. But that's why we're professional athletes because in that situation, all you want to do is help your team. All you want to do is win. And you feel that energy, especially when it's Amy Park, Melbourne Victory versus Adelaide United. It's a big crowd, high stakes. The game is like super tense at that stage. I would probably react the exact same way. If the referee's not blowing his whistle there, I'm fuming. So... I can't really blame him. Obviously, everything that happens afterwards, look, I think the coach has summed it up perfectly in the post-match press conference. He's young. He's an exciting player. He's still got a lot to learn in terms of the psychological side of the game and dealing with emotions. But 
at the end of the day, this kid's 17 and he's probably the most dangerous player on the whole pitch. Like, so I think, and even just from the reaction of, you know, a couple of the Melbourne victory players and things like that, it just shows how special this guy is and how influential this guy is. Because I think if that was me at 17, there would have been no one coming to wind me up. But because he's such a special player, and you know that's sort of a big loss for Adelaide United when he gets sent off, then your emotions in the game, you're naturally going to, you know, you go over there and wind him up a little bit, which I don't agree with. I think he was already sort of sent off, so it is what it is. But yeah, there's so much to talk about and so much to unpack um, in that. So yeah. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of a strange, especially, you know, like I, I, I'm not one really to be able to, you know, critique someone's behavior on the field because I, when I cross that line, like, I don't know, something, something's, you know, flicks in, in my body and I'm just, I'm a different person. The way, you know, you maybe speak to the referees or you speak to the opposition, that white line fever. I think for me, the, the biggest thing is, is probably the understanding of the ref and Alex King is the, in my opinion, is the best referee in the league. Like I really I like agree. it, even as I a agree. player. I, I love that, you know, I'm sometimes having a go at him and he just kind of looks back at me and says, oh, come on, Steph, that's that's not very yeah. nice. Or, like, he can actually have yeah. that that dialogue with you. And as a player, if he reacts like that, I'm like, you know, oh, fucking hell, sorry, King. That, that was pretty shit, money. Yeah. Like, he's really good. He's actually really good with talking and, and, I, and I hope he keeps that going. You saw at one stage, Azani and him kind of had a joke around as well. Like, that makes the referee, because, you know, when you're on the field, you react. You're, you're straight away, you're reacting because you're so worked up. But you know it's a person. It's you know you're not trying to say that he's a shit person. It's just that decision went against you. So straight away you want to fight back at that. Um, yeah. But he he should have given the free kick a clear free kick against Economides, whether it was the first one, the second one, the third one, the fourth, or the fifth thing that Economides did in that. Yeah. And 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 Nesta's reaction. If you're going to give that a yellow card, no problems. Be consistent then because there would have been four or five times throughout the games where players ran at the referee. I think when Bruno Nutmeg Kiddo and two or three players from victory ran at the referee, it didn't give them a yellow card for kind of complaining about Kiddo not getting a yellow. So where does this where does the descent kind of stop then? Like, and if you watch any top league game, the same thing. Players run in, and it's probably a bigger issue. So having a conversation with Dan Mullen on Twitter about it, it's probably a bigger issue. In football in general, if we want to go down the path of rugby union where they address them as sir and you have to be extremely respectful or the AFL where they've tried to brought in this descent rule, 50 meter penalties. If you want to get big on it, no problems. Bring it in and that's a blanket rule. You can't talk to the referees or if you throw your arms up in the air, make it real obvious so players actually understand that. But at the moment, what, you're going to give him a yellow card because it's Nesta. You know, have I think you have to have a bit of feeling for the game it's literally the last second of the game you know he's been booed for 30 minutes he's a 17 year old he's angry he's worked up i think he could have just brought him in and said nesta if you react like that again i'm going to give you a yellow card and he might yeah. have done that well he might have done that in the game at another time or we don't know and that's that's, that's the know. other side yeah. to it but i just think you know if you're going to give that a yellow card there better be two or three yellow cards given to players in every single match for overreacting um, so yeah, that's, that's the end of it. At the end of the day, he's a top, he's a top class player that that's probably why the, the talk is about him because this, you know, we love to bring people down when they're on top of the world. He needs to learn. He needs to get better. And if you go to Europe, 
it's only going to be worse. The abuse from the opposition fans and the abuse from other players, you have to handle that. And that that psychological side of the game is something he's going to improve on. Um, but I also think the top players around the world, like look at, you know, when it was like a Wayne Rooney when he was younger, absolute hothead. Like even, you know, you look at other sports, Roger Federer, Andre Agassi, like these top players, they have that anger. They have that passion. They have that emotion about them. And you don't just get born with being able to control that. You learn it no. over time, and, and, yeah. and we need to nurture. We need to nurture Nesta as, the, as, as I'm sure Carl and the players. You know, you could see they all care about him because they want him to be as big as what he can. Um, but you need to sometimes make these mistakes to actually learn from it. You know, if you don't make it, then then where where do you kind of what you don't want to go to Bayern Munich and make that first mistake? So it's better he's doing it here, and that he's in a a more protected environment. So let's um let's see how he goes in in the first game back. But I'm probably more disappointed that he doesn't get a play next week against Sydney FC. And I'm sure a lot of fans are disappointed as well. And Sydney FC are probably cheering. So um, that's that's probably enough enough about that. Uh, I could talk about Adelaide United for a lot longer, but I don't want to be too biased on here. Um, so you that leads are. us into... It doesn't matter. <laughs> that leads us into... No, I said victory deserved to win that game. They were, they were miles better, but it's, it's a good performance or a good thing when a team that doesn't perform well gets a point away from home. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's a positive thing for Adelaide. And then the next game, Central Coast and Perth. Uh, good good for the glory, boys. Not not so good for the reigning champions. Yeah, and obviously, Perth glory, look, they um, they played well, I thought. You know, Polakowski, he's back. We spoke about him already uh, opening week, and he, he's back again. He's amongst the goals. Um, the red card was obviously a talking point in that game because um, he seemed like when he got sent off that he was quite adamant that it shouldn't have been a red card like he seemed like he was arguing sort of with the referee and you know not that it was okay red card and you know you're off and 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 you're walking down the tunnel did you think that was a red card I think so like you can't really hit someone on the back of the head it happened in the Arsenal game as well with Bruno smashing Jorginho and they didn't even review that like I don't understand. Like football's a contact sport, but you can't hit someone on the back of the head. Like, with... yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter if it's a slap. I think or that was more of a. Fist. I think that was more of a, a forearm. Um, yeah. Whereas, to, like, I, I, it looked a bit more like a, a bit, an open hand. Yeah. Can't really so, do it though, can you? Like, no, you can't. I think that. I think that's a red card for so, sure. Changes, changes, obviously the game, but yeah, glory, glory. Uh, are looking all right. Like my boy. My boy Tags, who I had captain in in fantasy, and uh, got the assist, scored a scored a uh, maybe a bit of a lucky one right at the end there. Um, but you know they you know they look alright, Glory. I don't think they've you know shown enough to be like in that top two or three teams yet. But new coach, quite a few new players. They're still missing a few players as well. Uh, so you're you're pretty you know excited if you're a Glory fan, and then on the other side of it, if you're a Mariners fan. New coach comes in, doing well, as we said last week in the in the AFC Cup. But that's you know that's three yeah. three losses. So it's they've got yeah, a it's crazy not, schedule. Not a start. They've got a mm. crazy schedule. The Mariners at the moment, it's it would be very very hard. And obviously, we already spoke about that they've lost so many players. They lost their coach. So um, it's going to be interesting. Like it's going to be an important probably next three four games for them in how it might shape their season. And it's not to say yeah. that, you know, all right, they're, they're down the bottom. They're not going to be, you know, anywhere this year. 
I think it's still very, very early days, but I think the fans especially would want to see some sort of reaction from them. And I understand with these games, uh, the midweek games and the travel, it's not easy, um, especially with smaller squads that we have here in Australia. So look, um, it is what it is at the moment for Central Coast, but just quickly as well, um, Ollie Sale, after the performance against Wellington, uh, he was dropped, Sajik dropped him. Uh, what were your, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's it's hard as a player because, you know, you go to a new team, you want to start well. But Cook probably felt hard done by because he did all right last year. Um, but that's normally how it works if you're bringing in new players, probably on a decent decent wicket as well. So Cook's come in, he's kept a clean sheet. He made a really good save off uh, Theo Harris as well. So it's, it's hard as a player. Um, but you know what? If you don't produce and like, you know, you or, or me will be the first ones, you know, that happens to us you know you can only be disappointed if you know you feel like you've been playing really well but if you haven't it's not bad as well you go back to training you just work on all right what do i need to work on whether it's whatever it may be but it's not the not the ideal start when you move clubs you always want to start well but probably shows a uh, good trust from from stadich in cook as well yeah and he's kind of demanding you know if you don't perform we've got good players on the bench that can play so i like it i think you know the season's Healthy. long you know there's yeah, 26 games. There'll be plenty of chances for him to win his spot back and uh, you know, the better players by the end of the year will normally secure their, their starting 11 spot. But um, yeah, not not great. Not great when you go to a new club. But let's see Let's see if the, the Mariners can bounce back. Uh, I think they play Brisbane Roar at home next week. So that's another another tough game. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah it, it's, it can only go up from here. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. you don't keep losing it and you don't want them to drop down like they have before. So let's see. Let's see what they do next week. And that goes on to the the Jets and, and Western Sydney. 2-2 uh, draw, which was uh, yeah an interesting game. I guess Newcastle scored the first first couple. We're sitting back a lot of possession for Western Sydney. But, you know, the, the speed that they've got on the counter, the Jets obviously hurt West Sydney. Um, but good character to come back and draw two all. So... Uh, did you did you see much of that? And if you did, what did what did you think? Yeah, I I agree. Like it looked early in the game, or most of the game. Like Bahagia in particular was super dangerous in behind. Like he's lightning quick. Everyone knows that. So um, he got in behind, and probably could have scored uh, a couple as well, but was really dangerous. And that's obviously a strength that, that Newcastle have. And then he put the ball in as well for for AP, which was an unbelievable header. Uh, that yeah. AP scored, so he's he's scored a couple already this season. So um, he's looking good. And then look for Western Sydney. I think if you're a Western Sydney fan, you have to still be very happy that they were even from a position where maybe not where they wanted to be in the game because they caught that second goal. And then you're thinking this this could be you know a, a bad loss now away after the win last week. Um, but they managed to get themselves back in the game. And you know everyone knows Western Sydney has got that quality. I know it firsthand. Um, but um, yeah, they were able to get get themselves back in the game, and yeah, cr I think credit to them, hats off. I think that shows a lot, and that builds a lot of sort of what's the word character within the team. Resilience builds a lot of resilience um, within within the team because you know there's teams that can they go a goal behind, two goals behind, it's done. You know, people start throwing their t toys out the pram. And you know you've got no hope to get back into the game, but I think Rudin would be 
really happy that they were able to find a way to get back into the game and you walk away with a point and, and you're pretty happy. And I think from Newcastle's point of view as well, they'll, they'll be disappointed to not secure the three points. But I think it's still very positive to play like that against Western Sydney, who obviously beat us 5-0 the week before. Yeah, uh, I reckon the uh, the league's just extremely even. I, I think the you know if you're off your game, as you saw with you guys um, or with Melbourne City, you can kind of get your pants pulled down. Um, but then again, you know, the next week, you know, Western Sydney go against the Jets, who people were maybe thinking the Jets aren't that good. You know, they draw with them and they look all right. So I, I think it's a very, very even league, similar to last year. So, and that's good. That's good for the competition. It means you have to be on it. If you're not on it, if you're five, 10% off, then you're going to get punished. And that's what makes it exciting. If you're, you're going out there every week um, thinking you can win this game and the fans thinking, you know, we've got a good chance of winning today. That's what you want. So hopefully that trend can continue on throughout the year where everybody's competing regardless of the budgets, you know, the teams that have the smaller budgets, they still seem to be competing as we saw last year with the Mariners winning it. So there's no yeah. real right formula to it. Um, but we're going to, we're going to go into the, the second division. So we'll, we'll take a short break and then come back to you. Football Friends with Ben and Steph is proudly brought to you by the Inner Game Journals, started by none other than our co-host, Stefan Moore. The Athlete Performance Journals were created to help athletes of all abilities become more self-aware through goal setting and reflection. On or off the field, the mental side of the game is so crucial to help you feel and perform at your best. Head over to www.theinnergamejournals.com and use code FOOTBALLFRIENDS to get 15% of all products. If you're a club, school or a Academy, you're in luck. Stefan also runs workshops and he's just released the app version, which will allow you to give direct feedback to players. Download the app for free today. Search the inner game on the App Store. So the big news of the day is the the FA have come out with the, the National Second Division news. Uh, it's now going to be starting in 2025, which I think is, is good. I don't think... Um, you know, it's 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 a negative thing that they've delayed it because it really just gives the teams more time. They've said that they're going to be announcing the teams in two weeks' time, so on the 20th of November, which is exciting to, to see what teams they do kind of pick. Um, and then those teams have 18 months to prepare. So what was, yeah, what was your initial reaction to that? Or what have you kind of thought about it throughout the whole process? Do you think it's a positive, a negative? What, what's kind of your take on it? Oh, massive positive. Massive positive, positive because... This is what we need in this country for football to move forward and to grow the way that everyone knows it can grow. Um, for me, the closer that we can get to promotion relegation, the better it's going to be for football in this country. That's the bottom line. And I think this is the starting point of it. It's not to say that promotion relegation is coming in the next one, two, three, four, five years, but this is the start of a new journey for Australian football. And I think it's super exciting and I think it's positive on so many fronts. It's just like there's so much to talk about with this and obviously we still don't know how it's going to look. Obviously, we're getting, I think, the outline of how the competition will look on the 20th as well as the teams. So it'll be interesting to see how that is. But I think the the timing for 2025, I think some people have already come out and said that, you know, why is it not happening in 2024? There's always going to be sort of people that, that, that aren't happy with decisions that are made. But I think if you're looking at it from an outsider's perspective, you're giving the teams the time that they need to get everything together. 
because you want this to start and you want it to start in the right way and start on the right foot in a positive direction. You don't want it to start and people are going, oh, well, this wasn't even thought about and clubs didn't have this and what's going on with all these other things that are out of our control. So I think um, 2025 is is definitely the right time to do it just to give those teams the, the extra time. And uh, obviously there's going to be a restructure for MPLs across Australia as well. So you need to also give time for the MPL restructure to happen. So um, there's a lot to unpack. What were your first thoughts on it? Yeah, I think you you see the the interest when it got announced a couple of years ago, the potential of it, and people have been calling for promotion relegation, and we're one of the only countries that doesn't have it. So logically, that's the step we need to be going in. I think uh, you know if it's in an ideal world, this is probably announced six months ago, and it gives teams twelve months to get ready for it. It wasn't the case. The FA had the Women's World Cup that obviously they were completely focused on and they did an unbelievable job with that. The Matildas are flying. So the FA have done well on that. Now this is their focus. They want to make sure that it's done correctly, as you said, because the worst thing that can happen is the competition starts, the broadcast isn't good, the quality isn't good. There's so many small things that go wrong and investors then pull their money because it's not looking the way it should be. So at least this gives you 18 months to secure a broadcast rights. And we'll touch on that quickly now because I've just brought it up. The FA, I believe their their agreement is coming up with the, the national team at the end of 2024. So you're now bundling the Socceroos, the Matildas. I think the Women's World Cup, the FA actually have the rights for that for the next Women's World Cup, the junior tournaments, the Australian Cup, and now a second division. So... On the back of what the Matildas have done, and you know the Socceroos as well, what the ratings were, which were great, and all the live sites, it's a pretty enticing thing to get a hold of. And adding this is great news as well because nobody's really sure of what this is going to look like, but it's great that it can possibly be bundled in with that. So it gives the the clubs a little bit of money. As we know, that's how the A-League Cups kind of budget structures on you know, the, the TV rights deal. So that's that's good. And it gives them time to do that without rushing it. Um, I think in an ideal world, again, you probably have the one platform as we've got right now. You know, the Socceroos and Matildas are on Channel 10. They're on Paramount. So is the A-Leagues. They're two separate things now with the APL and the FA. But I would love, and one of the questions was, there is no, uh, you know, I guess TV um, or there's no TV deal locked in. What would you like to see it on? And do you think the same? Do you want it to be on the same? And and if so, who who would you like to have it? Yeah, I, I think to have it all together because I think it needs to be, this needs to be uniform, I think, going forward because there needs to, right now, the FA is, is handling the structure of the NST and obviously the APL has the A-Leagues, but the long-term goal needs to be for the APL to have the A-Leagues and the NST together for us to see the promotion relegation. So I think the more the PARs can be sort of intertwined and come together now in the early phases will make it easier to sort of make steps and make progressions later on. That's just my yeah. personal opinion. Well, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, you don't want two leagues now that are both rivaling each other and they're both going to be no. you know, which people don't like at the moment with the A-League is they're, they're closed shop. 
that's what this second division is going to be to begin with. It's going to be a closed shop where, you know, these franchises or these existing NPL clubs, old NSL, you know, they're coming into this because they can afford it. So it's not really any different to the A-Leagues, but I've got no problem with that because they're ambitious. They want to come in. Exactly. Good on them. This is, this is good because it creates more pathways for players to come in, be in a professional setup and to grow the game. There's more games on, but like you said, it needs to be unified where eventually there is promotion and relegation. So we need to look at that and be like, okay, so what time of the year are both competitions being played at? What platform are they both on? We don't want to compete against each other because then it becomes a bigger issue. So it's almost like, where's this 10-year plan? Where's this 20-year plan? Where's this 100-year plan? Whatever it is like they've got in Japan. We need to have a bigger plan. Yes, we need to get the ball rolling, but there needs to be certain markers which we're actually aiming towards hitting. So you know what? Second division starts in 2025. Uh, we expand you know, in 2026 for more A-League teams. We do promotion relegation from 2000 whatever it is but there needs to be a, a bigger plan and um, i listened to to Bozza on uh, on sen actually talking about that and he said the same thing the apl and the fa they obviously had that big fight when they were kind of getting separated they do need a kiss and make up because we need our two biggest football entities on the same page to grow the game uh, and that's that's really the the most important thing because if you don't have that we're just going to be fighting against each other like seems to happen with so many things. So we need everyone on the same page uh, to, to really get this going. And uh, on on the players, what's what's your opinion in semi-pro v professional? And of course, it's going to be different with finances and we don't know the budgets, but do you think this should start off as a semi-pro competition or should they be going more for younger players and getting them professional straight away? Look, this is a the thing. There, there are so many question marks around the whole NST. Everything about it. There's question marks everywhere. Look, I hope that the teams, on what you said before, I hope the teams are coming in and banging the door down saying, we're ready for promotion relegation. But is that going to happen sort of straight away or in the next one to two years? Probably not because financially, it's a massive jump from going from an MPL setup to, okay, we're ready to potentially be in the A-League in a couple of years. So that's where we sort of got to get it right. And look, Paramount might turn around and say, mm, we don't want the NST. Not interested. So then what do we do? That's another question mark that, that no one's sort of spoken about. What if they turn around and look, you know, it's not really, not sure how, how entertaining it's going to be. We're not sure if we're going to get the viewers for it. Is it going to be worth putting the money into it to get it broadcasted? That's another thing that you got to think about. So finding the right broadcaster, and I hope that, that Paramount and 10 are on board with it and it can all be like that i would like to see it be a professional league from the get-go and if that means getting younger players in and this is another sort of debate because the nst needs to be better than the mpl the mpl is already there and that's semi-professional so it doesn't make sense to just get to start this nst and it's also just semi-professional because then where where are we covering that that ground where are we bridging that gap between MPL and the A-League because ultimately that's what this league is going to be so important for it's going to be bridging that gap for players that have maybe not made it to an A-League setup or they've just gone come out of an A-League setup and they're not sure what to do you know what this is actually a perfect platform to go and hopefully bounce back my career so I can get back to playing professionally again that's what I think it needs to be and people argue and say 
or, you know, there's so many good players in the NPL that have already got jobs and, you know, they're not going to give it up. Well, you know what? You're either willing to give that up to become a professional footballer, or if you're not, then you know what? There's a thousand, a hundred thousand young kids, 16, 17, 18 years old, that would chop their arm off to be a professional footballer and maybe haven't got that that chance at an A-league club. So that's what I think it needs to look like. And and yeah, obviously these are just my opinions, but how how would you see it working out in a, in an ideal world? Yeah, I I completely agree with you and I think there's some extremely talented NPL players that you know what, if they were born 20 years later, they go up in a youth system where they're more talented than maybe some other younger players that are going to be around now, but they just weren't at the right time. And they've got other jobs that are paying them 80,000, 100,000, 150,000. And NPL is just a bit of cash on the side to kind of, you know, they love playing football. They want to earn a couple, you know, thousand, two thousand $2,000 a week for 20 weeks, but they can't, or they don't want to leave their job because they're supporting a family. They're a bit older, they're late twenties, early thirties. And those people there, that's probably just unlucky that they're they're around in this time. And I'm not saying that they won't give 100% because I know they'll give 100%. But if you're training three days a week and you're coming from a nine to five job, or you know if you're a lawyer or an accountant or something goes wrong and you've got to stay at work a bit longer because you can't get to training, well, then what? What, you're going to say to your coach, I can't, I can't come to training? Like that, that's semi-professional and that's okay for that, that is, system. Yeah. But for this setup it needs to be people that are willing to commit to it and the example i love to give which just happened in sa was adelaide united youth team they won the npl with players that were 15 to 18 19 years old and they're all training like a professional in the youth team at adelaide united they don't have other jobs that's what they're focusing on because of that look at the improvement in those players and they can actually beat you know not saying they you know they didn't finish first in the league but the growth is there for those players a lot more than these uh, 25 to 30 year olds that it's just unlucky where their time that it's gone. And if a 25 year old or a 30 year old says, you know what? I just want to be a professional footballer. I don't care about that. I'll take 40 grand. I'll take 50 grand and I'll drive Ubers or I'll do something on the side to earn a bit. I'll do a bit of coaching on the side to earn some cash because I want to be a professional. You know what? What a dream. You, you get to do what you, you want to do. And maybe after a year, you get picked up by an A-League team and you get bought. So I think we need to we need to make it professional. You need to have the training every day. You need to have the focus on being the best player you can be because as we know, it's not just when you're at the training ground. It's your nutrition. It's what you're doing off the field. It's everything that's leading up to it. You want to give the best possible chance for these teams to go out there on the weekend to have the best product, which is going to keep people coming back. And if you're a fan of Melbourne Knights or South Melbourne or Sydney United, if you see young kids out there that are giving 100%, do they care? If they're wearing the jersey with pride and they're going out there and they're giving 100%, that's what you want as a fan. And and if you see them getting better, that's that's the most important thing, I think. So uh, yeah. we don't know the budgets. That's the biggest one. Nah. So until that kind of comes out, we're, we're not going to know exactly. But yeah, that's, that's what I would like to see anyway. That's going to be the hardest part, I think. Making sure because it needs to be better than MPL. Why is it happening? And that's going to be the hardest part to to find those players that we they do have the quality and it is actually a better standard. And obviously, you said about Adelaide United. The only difference with I think the Adelaide MPL compared to maybe Victoria or New South Wales is the financial situation and what clubs can afford to pay. Because at the end of the day, 
there's a lot of players that have gone from Adelaide to Victoria because it pays a lot more. So that's probably yeah. that probably is the strongest MPL in the country. And I don't know if you put probably any of the A-League youth teams in the MPL in Victoria, would it be the same? I, I think probably not. So that's going to be a challenging factor. There's so many challenging factors, but yeah, that's that's going to be, for me, probably one of the biggest ones because the standard needs to be very, very high. But if that was me, and even if I was 23 or 24, I'd be jumping at this. I, I would be so excited to have a chance to be professional because the difference between this and MPL clubs is going to be you know, video analysis, uh, physios, sports science, having people around all the time. If you're an MPL player right now and you get a grade three hammy tear and you're going to be out for 10 weeks, what you're going to be seeing the physio twice a week at training or three times a week at training. And how many of them actually have full-time physios that are there every single training session? So it's like that for me is the biggest difference. And that's where we'll see players hopefully from those young ages of 16, 17, 18, actually being able to progress at a much quicker rate by the time they're 23, 24 they'll be much better than someone that was just in an MPL setup for that same amount of time. I think that's where we'll see the big wins and players actually developing at a quicker rate and probably being more ready for A-League football. Yeah, exactly. And and like from the conversations we've had when, you know, we've had mates that played with us in A-League teams and they drop out and go to NPL, it's so hard for them to be focused and to be driven because they get to training and the whole mentality is like, if you're like, I spoke to a few of them and they said to me, you know, if I'm sprinting around working hard at training, people are like, why is this guy being so busy? Like, I, I just yeah. want to relax training. Like the, the, it's not a high performance mentality because you're tired. You've just come from work. You just want to go there and have a bit of fun. And that's great. And for what it is, but this needs to be something different where you're going there to get better. Like if, if that's the, the mindset, and I'm not saying that's every club, but I, I'm speaking from what people have told me, cause I've never gone and really trained there. But if they're saying that, that's not a good environment. And these second division clubs need to be ambitious and the players need to be ambitious. And you need to give them, you know, like you said, physio, sports science, analysis, diet, like nutritionists, everything around it to actually make them succeed. And these 16 to 23, 24 year olds, they then get the best chance to improve. And there is such a big jump from NPL to A-League right now. I know in a one-off in the Australian Cup, you can anyone can beat anyone on any given day, the same way where a League 2 team can beat a Premier League team. But if they come in and train, and we've seen, again, firsthand when the good players from NPL get contracts in the A-League or they come into that A-League for a couple of weeks, you see the big difference. And it's not saying they're not good players, but they haven't trained at that intensity every single day. And I remember at Adelaide, there was a player that came through three, four years ago. First couple of months, he was buzzing. I was like, oh, he looks all right. Like he's obviously on a hire from the NPL, done really well. And then, you know, he's not selected on the weekend. Round one goes by. Round two, three, four, five, six, that confidence drops a little bit. And all of a sudden, like you just see that work rate kind of drop down, probably just the mentality that, the, the physical, I guess, element of the game, being able to back it up day after day, it's a completely different thing. And, and that's where this second division will really give these players an opportunity if they drop out of the A-League from a youth team or just a young player that, that can't kind of break through. They go to the second division and they can do really well. They're still in the environment. All right, the money's not as good, but they can actually work their way back up and that's where we need tra a transfer system as well. That needs to be sorted out because these second division teams and even NPL teams, they need to be paid a transfer fee. If your A-League club wants to buy them, 
they need to be able to buy them. And A-League teams need to be able to buy from other teams because otherwise the whole thing's just a bit of a sham where, you know, one club's developing a player and then another team just comes and takes him away and maybe you get a bit of compensation if he's off contract. But hopefully this rewards, you know, the second division teams to give players long-term contracts, three, four-year contracts, which is good security. And then if Melbourne victories think, you know what, little Johnny from... Uh, from the Melbourne Melbourne Knights is looking pretty good. I'm going to pay a hundred thousand. I'm going to pay a hundred and fifty thousand or two hundred thousand for a transfer because we think we can sell it for one or two million. That then also creates a different stream of of revenue for these clubs, and that's why I think playing young players is more beneficial for older players because you have the resale value. So that's yeah. that's where I would be going with it. Um, I know every club's going to be different. You might get one club in the second division that says, you know what. We don't care. We're going to play old ways. We got a big budget. We got a big backer. We're going to pay this. Let them let them do it if that's what they want to yeah. do as well. Every team's going to have their have their philosophy and how they want to go about it. Look, that's up to the to the owners of the club, the the board and the manager. But yeah, I, I agree. That's that. Would you would you imagine there being a loan system as well? I think so. I think there has to be transfers and loans because, yeah, second division teams maybe don't have to then pay as much as the wages if they're getting players on loan from your Melbourne cities or your victories or your Sydney FCs. If you can get two or three players on loan, they do like in, in J2, for example, good example, you know, we have, I think, nine players on loan from J1 yeah. teams. So that, that has good. to be the model. Yeah, I think that's good. And you can obviously, yeah, you don't have to pay their full wage. You know what? We've got a player. We've got a young player here. We're paying him seventy grand. Listen, we'll, we'll give him to you guys. You pay him thirty thousand dollars for the year. We'll cover the forty. We don't think he's maybe going to yeah. play that much, but this is actually going to be great development for him. And you know what? Like you said before, this incentivizes long-term contracts because how long have we seen in the A League that at the end of the season the list comes out of players that are not on contract and it's fucking ten pages long? It shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be like this. There shouldn't be. 24, 25, 26 year olds that are in the prime of their careers getting offered one or two year deals. It's just, that's just not how, yeah. how it should be. These players should be getting four year contracts and you slap a buyout clause in there or you slap a transfer fee in there and you're going, you know what? We're happy to pay this guy for the four years. If someone wants to come in, they can buy him. That's got to be, that's got to be the thought process from the clubs. It can't be this single-minded approach of, not sure about the salary cap. Oh, TV deals coming out. Oh, all right. You know what? We'll give him a one-year contract. You know, the salary cap's looking a bit tight. For me, that's not the way forward for football in this country. Yeah. No, and I think you've seen already in the last year or two, the clubs have realized that with the long-term deals they're giving to younger players and kind of taking the punt on these young players, which is good because they then have that security. They've got the belief from the club uh, and that's, same with the second division. Everybody needs to be going in that same direction. So I've uh, I've come up with a bit of a plan, and uh, let's hear it. It's it's it, it, it's it's Steph here speaking because everybody says that we sound the same. And sorry, it's a bit of a serious talk today rather than joking around. But um, obviously, it's a it's a pretty pretty hot topic at the moment. So my my ten year plan, I guess for I guess the the football in Australia, and this isn't this is something I literally just came up with in about ten minutes. So. You can critique it and you can smash me as much as you want. But we've got the teams in the A-League at the moment. You, you're apparently getting, getting Auckland and Canberra, who uh, supposedly had a couple of investors come through and two other facilities and possible uh, yeah, clubs that are coming in, I guess, next season. So hopefully that goes over the line. You've then got 14 teams in the A-League. 
Then they want to expand another two times the APL they've said. So whether that's a Gold Coast, whether that's a, another Adelaide, another Perth, whatever they decide to do with that. Tasmania, for example, that probably is a good shout as well. I think the CEO there, Tony Pinata, has come in. Ex-Sydney FC, I think he was, and potentially Perth Glory, or maybe I've got that wrong. He wants to get an A-League team in there. So hopefully, you know, if you get if you get a Gold Coast, you get a, a Tasmania, then that's great. That's a really good, really good platform. 16 teams in the A-League. I think the NSD is going to start, or NST, whatever they want to call it. Starts with 10 teams, 12 teams. That's what the, the supposed framework is. That also needs to build up over to 16 teams, I reckon, uh, in the next three, four, five years once it commences. Then from 2000 and uh, what I've kind of got in there is once you've got 16 teams in A-League, 16 teams in the second division by 2028, we need more games. In Australia, there's not enough games. We've contracted players now for 52 weeks of the year. So rather than training in the longest preseason, let's get more games. So whether it's a preseason competition where the second division and the, the A-League kind of play like a, a Champions League style format where it's, you know, Victoria, New South Wales, South Australia, I know it's not ideal, but it keeps the cost down if you can kind of um, put the teams into territories, reduce the costs of travel. You play group stage games. You kind of see the difference between the first division and the second division. Hopefully, you, you know, whether you have a broadcast for this, whether it's just, you know, playing more games, getting revenue through match day experiences, who knows, but it's something that's there. And then in 2030, which is five years after... The second division's been around five years after hopefully you've had you know 14 to 16 teams in the a-league then i reckon you can look at promotion and relegation and whether that's promotion and no relegation for the start or whether that's both i think that's the moment where you then do that for maybe the next five years to 2035 and then you've had 10 years of the second division because these teams are committing a lot of money a lot of resources and by 2035 then you can open it up to the NPL. And these teams below in the NPL, they need to meet certain requirements. If they want to get promoted, they need to have a minimum standard of, you know, whether it's attendances, a stadium, training facilities, wages they can pay. Similar to what they've got in, in J2 at the moment, um, where some teams in J2, they can't get promoted to J1 because they don't meet the requirements. And I think that's it. I know it's, it's, it's very quick. But if that's the the system we can get, because you need to give the A-League teams a bit more security, these new licenses coming in, and you need the second division teams, you need to give them five, 10 years to actually uh, be able to create a foundation so it's sustainable for for going forward. Yeah. I, I think a lot of them already have that fan base because a lot of them are historical clubs. You think your South Melbournes, uh, your Melbourne Knights, clubs like this. Look, even in Adelaide, you've got obviously Adelaide City. For me, if Adelaide City came back, there would already be a very big following in Adelaide because I know people close to me, and obviously we both played at Adelaide City, that there's a lot of people in Adelaide that, that loved Adelaide City. Um, there's also a lot of people in Adelaide that loved West Adelaide when West Adelaide were around. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see. In 2035, when you say open it up to other MPL teams, are you saying opening up potentially a third division? Or are you saying teams from MPLs can then get promoted? I think, well, depends how well it's going financially. Um, if we're if we're getting close, you know, to, to half of what the AFL deal is, you're getting three hundred million a year. Well, maybe we can look to kind of open yeah. it up, but probably to to start with, you're you're looking at you know a conference thing. So the winners of each NPL yeah, play off against good. each other. 
yeah, similar to what they've got, I think in Serie Serie C, they've got the the regions or the Serie D, yeah. sorry. But then Serie C is the same, the playoffs, because it's not going to be possible to have a third division as well. We can't jump that quickly. Um, but we'd love to hear anybody else's opinions on that. I know it's not ideal, and we all want promotion, we all want relegation. But it's not, you know, just click your fingers and let's just roll it out. We actually need it to be sustainable. And I think from what I've kind of thought about, you know, that's an okay model, but we need a plan. We need a plan that we can actually stick by. And if things go well, all right, instead of it being 10 years, can it be five years or six years or seven years? But we need that long-term plan to hit these markers with finances, with attendances, with TV ratings, because that money that's coming in through sponsorship, that's what's going to make us grow. So we, um, we hope... You know, that's that's kind of uh, been a, a good plan for you all. But we're going to jump into the, the questions from the viewers. So first up, Ben, um, suppose more prep time is best, as others have said, but it still feels like a cop out in my honest opinion. April next year would have def still been doable. What do you think about that? Yeah, it would have been doable had there not have been maybe a Women's World Cup, um, like you already said. The FA had their full focus on that. Um, it might have been doable. I think everything would have needed to be out, I would say, another five, six months earlier to give those teams time to prepare and to also give the the state federations enough time to organise their MPL because the season's just finished now. You can't pull them out now and say, all right, well, there's uh, three teams from the Melbourne MPL. They're, they're gone now, so um, work yourselves out. I think that <laughs> it makes sense what they've done. I think it makes sense from when you take a step back and you look at the financial, uh, that giving the teams the amount of time to actually set everything up and make sure the club is ready to go when this does kick off. Um, it makes sense from from that point of view. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's the big one because, you know, these NPL teams, like I said, if three or four teams go from the Victorian Premier League and then you've got five from New South Wales, like, well, who fills the gaps of, of them in that current season? But then... On the other side, when these clubs are going into the second division, yes, they're paying more money to players, but they also need a lot of backroom staff. So you need coaches, you need physios, you need sports science. And then you've got your office staff. Like probably people don't realize how many people it takes to run a, a club. And you need probably, you know, 10, 10 people coming in in your media team, your CEO, potentially your football directors, your whatever it is, all of these people. And then sponsorship, you know, if you're, if you're a sponsor coming in and you're like, oh, we've got five months to get this league up and going, well, how do I know what my return's going to be on my investment? Yeah. Where if you said we've got 18 months, you've got time to actually get these big investors, these big sponsors. So for me, it, it made sense. You know what? Don't complain. It's great that they've done this. And next two weeks, we get the teams, we get the structure, and then we can really start to kind of plan it properly. Um, so you can, you can hit me with the next question. If you can read, I know yeah, your eyesight's pretty poor. We got at John T DT ninety six ideal visa numbers. A couple of marquee spots allowed. What's your thoughts on the overall breakdown of squads for each club? It's a good question. I think there there needs to be some visa spots. Um, you know, maybe maybe not five. Maybe if you have three three or four in J two here, we've got four compared to five in J one. So maybe it's three or four. But again, it's got to go down to finances. So. Uh, three or four, I think, because, you know, you're going to have to get a lot of players, you know, a lot of Australian players. Where are you pulling all these players? If you can get three or four good quality players, maybe from Japan, that would probably be a good market. You know, you see in the NPLs, they, they'll probably accept less money or you get maybe some Brazilians or European English people that are coming through. I think three or four is a good amount. Um, and the squads, 
I think you need at least 20 in a squad, minimum 20. But that could be made up of, you know, eight players that are on, you know, that 16 to, to 18 or 16 to 20 where they're on these scholarship wages and they're on, so what is that in the A-League? 27 or 25 yeah. to, to 40,000. Yeah. So that's not big money. Um, but the majority of the squads will be made up of those young players, I think, just to, you know, so you could throw your money at maybe your your older players in the A-League that you want for your second division or your key players in the NPL. What, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Look, if you think what's 25 to 30 grand a year, there'd be players in the Melbourne NPL earning way more than that per year. So if you're going to get a young player in that you are have also got a transfer fee potentially in the future and you're actually going to be playing this, because there will be, there's going to be young players playing in that league. You look at Adelaide United, they're in the A-League at the moment, they're doing it. So in the NST, there's definitely going to be young players that are playing week in, week out. So no, I think I think there I think there should be some marquee spots allowed. If players, if teams want to spend the money, let them spend the money. Don't we don't want to be there holding teams back if they're willing to spend the money and move forward because they do want to move towards promotion relegation, then let them do that. We shouldn't be holding them back. Yeah, for visa players, no, no, I, the same. The same for visa players. Four, four, five players. If it's five, it's five. Yeah, for me. Yes, and if if you want to do the clubs it, do wanna, it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something that's for me a problem in the A League is is the salary cap. We've got you know these designated players. We've got these marquee players. We've got everything that kind of allows you to be outside the cap. You got one team probably spending ten million a year. The other team spending two and a half million a year. So like, what's the point in the cap? It just restricts just restricts certain things. I think. Let, let it be open up. You want them to be sustainable. The clubs have to be understanding of, of what, what their budgets are. You know, they're not going to go and spend $7 million if they've only got $3 million. You can't just find $4 million. Or if that's how the clubs want to run, then they're not going to run for very long. So they know, I think, what they need to spend on. But if the opportunity for a South Melbourne, you know, a Greek player says, you know, I'd love to come and play for South Melbourne. Or, I don't know, a, a Croatian for Sydney United comes up. Or a Macedonian for... Preston Lions, like th these sort of uh, players that come up and you're like, you know what? This guy's worth 200 grand because the fans are going to be buzzing off him. Let him spend it. Let him go and get them. And, and I don't think we should try and restrict them. But at the same time, if one club wants to spend just on all young players and that's their motto that they want to go buy because they want to sell them, let them do that. So um, anyway, that's a, a lot of second division talk for, for the episode. And I'm sure we'll be back on in two weeks time when we're talking about the teams that have been released. But let's, uh, let's wrap it there and go into the A-League preview. A few big games, which uh, we've decided probably your Friday night victory against Wellington. Two teams that are on seven points, both undefeated. Uh, Wellington, very strong victory, probably being the best team of the season up. Uh, you could get a massive crowd for that one on a Friday night. Uh, and then going on to Saturday night where you've got your the Reds, the best team in the league, though, against uh, against Sydney FC, which Channel 10, that's their, that's their main game of the week. That will be another exciting one, I think. Uh, Sydney FC need to bounce back. And Adelaide want to keep that that form going, especially at Coopers. They're always hard to hard to beat. So we'll, uh, we'll see you all next week. Um, thanks for thanks for chatting, Ben. It's been a, a good hour of my Monday afternoon spent. Yeah, well, you mentioned uh, Adelaide United, as you always do, but you forgot to mention Western United. We're back home for the first time this season against Newcastle Jets in Ballarat. So looking forward to 
seeing our green and black family out in Ballarat this Saturday. Um, but guys, thank you very much for listening. As we always say, thank you so much for your questions. We love hearing from you. If you've got any comments or would like to add anything to our NST chat, we'd love to hear from you on our socials, which are at Football Friends Pod on Instagram. We're at Ben and Steph Pod on X. And for those of you that keep complaining that you can't tell if it's Ben or Stefan talking, where we are football friends with Ben and Steph on YouTube now as well. You can watch us speak um, as long as listen, as well as listen to us. So follow us on our socials, keep up to date with everything that's happening, hit the subscribe button, and we'll see you guys next week. Oh, Fred. Fuck you lot, where's the beer?